0: Hey, welcome to the program, everybody. You just stepped inside of Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and I wanna welcome you to this historic program. And we have so much happening in this country. It is very, very difficult to be all about business as usual because we are in some highly unusual times, ladies and gentlemen. George Floyd is just the latest in a long, long line of people who have suffered at the hands of law enforcement in this country. We need to honor him and honor everybody that's suffering right alongside his family. Ahmad Arbery, Brianna Taylor, we need to keep their names alive, y'all. Tonight's guests will include author Suzette Harrison, singer-songwriter out of Brooklyn, New York, Miranda Nicole. And we also have Hannibal Taboo, Sharon Moses Coleman, and mental health therapist Emily Wessel. So you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWGTheTruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We'll be right back to kick off our show after this. Well,
1: oh, family. Thank you. Thank you for the love. love you. Thank you for the flowers. Thank you for the memorials. Thank you. Now before I go, I just want to hear this again. What's
2: his name? George George Floyd! What's his name? George Floyd! What's his name? George Floyd! What's his name? George Floyd! George! 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 George!
0: CWG, thetruth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bum School. I'm DJ Rome. And in case you've been living somewhere where you just have no access to media or um, video streams, you will just be uh, simultaneously shocked, disappointed, angered, uh, if nothing else, just vexed by what you've been seeing across the news cycle with regard to uh, incidents in different parts of the country that have uh, just some very, very frightening parallels to them. Uh, We're going to be spending some time during this segment to talk a little bit about that, particularly the one that happened in Bramble, a famous area in Central Park, involving uh, two people named Cooper, ironically, Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper, where uh, Amy Cooper called the police in a very, very historical voice trying to get the cops to come and uh, confront an African-American male who had asked her to put a leash on her dog. And the, uh, the backlash has been swift. It's been um, uh, with ferocity. And uh, the after effect is what we're gonna talk about right now because this isn't something that uh, some people feel was an accident. Uh, people feel that she knew exactly what she was doing to weaponize his skin color against him. And um, everyone on all sides of this issue, no matter what skin color you are, um, if you're conscious and you're aware, And you are uh, sensitive to what the potential implications of what her actions could have resulted in, uh, a la George Floyd over there in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, This is very serious. This is extremely serious. So, to help me have this conversation, uh, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I almost feel like I have to do a duty to warn (laughs) to a certain degree. Uh, In mental health, we uh, tend to have to follow uh, what's called Tarasoff, and that if someone is in danger of being harmed, usually. Uh, at the threat and behest of someone making a physical threat. Uh, th- there will be no physical harm that can come to you by listening to this discussion, but just the emotional harm. Uh, this is some sensitive stuff, and I want people to be on alert to protect their mind, body, and spirits. Uh, you've been warned, uh, but we are gonna have this conversation. I'm really happy this panel is here with me. Uh, two are here. Uh, again it's been a minute since I've had them here and one is here for the very first time and a very dear friend so let me bring them in one by one. Uh, First up I want to bring in uh, this young woman in Southern California as a mental health therapist. She also stems from a long line of abolition work in the Midwest of our country as well as D.C. So ladies and gentlemen please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School Miss Emily Wessel. Emily are you there?
3: I'm here Rome thanks so much for having me.
0: Oh, so good to have you back. And this good brother, y'all know this good brother's voice. This guy is just the the the, the pentuplet of, uh, of comic and commentary. Uh, he creates his own online web series, and he's been here multiple times. I'd love to hear this brother's commentary, and he's here to share his perspectives on this as well. So also welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, the good brother Hannibal Taboo. Hannibal, are you there?
1: Yes, sir. I'm with you, and it's very good to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Oh man, it's such a pleasure to hear your voice. Thank you for being here. And rounding out our panel, uh, this young lady and I go way back. I mean, to middle school. I mean, literally it's been several, several decades since we actually shared the same time and space to actually have a conversation. I wish we could do it under different circumstances, but nevertheless, I'm really happy that she's here on this panel with us. Out of Denver, Colorado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, Ms. Sharon, Sharon, Moses Coleman. Sharon, are you there? Hey, Rome, I'm here. Oh, so good to hear your voice. It's been a long time. So (laughs) I'm going to come to the ladies first, Hannibal. Uh, Sharon, I was really touched by what you were putting on your page as all of these things were unfolding. As a mom, as a parent, as someone that is also a dog lover, there are so many overlapping issues with this particular story. What came to mind as you were experiencing the, the rollout of this news story, and how did you experience it from all of those different fronts, particularly as a mother of Black sons? Can you share a little bit about that?
4: Well, what immediately came to mind is as a mother of five Black men, um, I started, I'm, I'm a financial advisor by trade. Okay. Uh, and I started calculating the odds in my head of is this going to happen to one of my sons?
2: Uh-huh. I have
4: five out in this world. Yeah. That means odds being what they are, I have a higher risk of losing one of them to this type uh-huh. of violence.
0: Terrifying, right?
4: Terrifying. I did not sleep at all um, that first night.
0: Oh wow. Oh, wow. And Emily, uh, like we were speaking off the air, this isn't uncommon. I mean, in, from your vantage point, the, your work stemming from uh, working with communities of color and uh, advocating on behalf of civil rights and uh, people in general, but from a mental health standpoint and from a standpoint of a woman, uh, what were your thoughts on this issue as it was brought to your attention?
3: Oh, wow. I mean, you know, it's 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 hard to Put it into words but it's just the you know the the power and the privilege that the woman has you know by being a white woman and then just the irresponsibility that she showed with that you know you can say that you're unaware of privilege and maybe you know get a little bit of leeway but you can't say you're unaware of your power if you're acting in that manner Mm. and she acted so irresponsibly that you know it, it it's, it's, it's actually quite sad to me that there isn't some type of misdemeanor at least that we can, you know, start to use to teach people about this behavior and how it's not okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So disturbing. So Hannibal, I'm coming to you. I should have asked you before we came on the air with this, if I could share a, a middle little communication that you and I had. Uh, so I'll ask you real quick. Can I, can I share a little bit about what we discussed yesterday? Good brother. Sure. Okay. So Uh, Sharon and Emily and ladies and gentlemen uh, Hannibal and I were communicating about this as I was getting my thoughts together because he'll tell you I I was kind of rambling because I was so frustrated and I know what Hannibal can bring to the table. So I wanted to be clear if I was going to invite this brother to join us. But uh, Hannibal, you remember I texted to you that he was extremely eclectic, um, essentially a good brother that we could have lost to some BS. Remember
1: that? I do. And then
0: you replied to me, he was smart enough to be ready and my jaw just dropped he was smart enough to be ready it was Mm haunting in its simplicity but it meant a lot uh what has this meant to you and what did you mean by uh, that particular response
1: well i I read later interviews with uh brother christian who said that he recognized as one of the few uh male african americans who would be birding in this area he's a Mm -hmm. a member of the board uh, of the audubon society i believe there in new york Mm -hmm. and that he recognizes that a black man going through the bushes with a device recording and doing things will be perceived differently by law enforcement than other people. He knew that walking in the door. Mm -hmm. So knowing that ahead of time, he was like, I'm about to have an interaction. I want to be ready in case this goes sideways. I'm going to press a cord and I'm going to be ready for it. And because he had the enormous enormous privilege of both his position and his preparation, he was able to get the story out in a way that caused no damage to him. Mm. The difference between him and Emmett Till is them and Emmett, nobody, there was no cameras. That's
3: There's right. nobody
1: to tell the right side of the story in that regard. And for me, I was just, uh, the call I just got off coming here, I was uh, telling someone, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, so I'm not even, this isn't even a, a, a surprise to me. The fact that she, they tell me, oh, she donated these liberal causes and she did all these things. Okay, sure. The I, I, I'm I'm much less surprised to see a so-called good white person go bad than other people might be who did not grow up in the South. It's an average Tuesday for me. Um, I yeah. preferred the very clear racism of people who didn't like black people in the South because then I could at least see it coming. I at least <laughs> could avoid it. I could be on the other side of the town. Right. Uh, I didn't have to uh, mingle in it and have it try to backstab me for a, uh, cut me out of a job or a, or a business deal while I'm not, while I'm literally standing in the same room. Wow. Um, So for me, yeah, uh, I wouldn't say this affected me because I've been, you know, I've been black in America my whole life. So (laughs) I've I've been, you know, I've been a southerner most of my life. So I understand the mechanics of things. I'm just very glad that he was prepared. I'm very glad that this did not go in a John Crawford sort of way. I'm very glad Uh, this did not go in the way of of others who may not have had the same level of preparation. Absolutely. You know, I'm glad that uh, he uh, got to go home to his family.
0: Absolutely. Just being able to survive that encounter, right? It's funny, uh, Sharon. I'm coming back to you in just a second, but Emily, I was thinking about the movie based on what Hannibal just said, because people (laughs) were shocked that she was not a conservative. I mean, her, I don't know if they were looking at her voting record or causes that she had donated to or supported, that she's actually considered by some people's standards being a liberal, a quote unquote liberal, which (laughs) means she might support democratic causes, causes that... Perhaps some of us might support as well. So when you think about that, and when I thought about it, I thought about the movie Get Out uh, by Jordan Peele and uh, that was a family of uh, white liberals who, you know, who we would think would be, you know, allied and sensitive to the uh, the struggles of black people. But uh, Emily, what, what do you think about that? The, you, you talked a little bit about privilege and when people bring in the the factor of politics and how this is usually such a polarizing issue when you think about uh the way black people are treated uh what does that do to someone like you who like i said stems from this history where you've been fighting on behalf of us for for many many years and yet you know that people continue to weaponize their privilege uh to to dole out injustices to people that will not submit to their authority um can you talk about that a little bit
3: um, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I just feel, I mean, it's, yeah. I feel grateful that I'm even able to have this conversation with you all and, and to be a part of the solution. And, um, you know, I think the, the biggest challenge for me as a person who, you know, my undergraduate degrees in economics and social policy, and then I, you know, my graduate work was in clinical mental health. So I kind of combine them. So I look at the systemic racism, right? The institutions that are designed to protect the privileged people, which in this case is, is white, you know, always. And, um, and white women, tend to use that as a power play and so there's so many levels to this in terms of how um just how inappropriate it is, and how dangerous it is, and and um, and I think what what hurts me the most, and and what I strive for professionally is to teach not just about the privilege within each person and what we look like, but the history of how race was constructed in this country to begin with as an economic system, and then the systemic racism that exists through you know all of the years of slavery and Jim Crow and the vagrancy laws and all the things that have been created to keep power in the position of a few and um at the expense of many. And yes. um yeah, it's just it's it it I'm tired. It hurts. It makes I, me sad, you know? Look
0: at that. Look at that. See, Sharon, I'm coming to you in just a second, but see this is why I have you here. I think Hannibal I told you that we're on this panel, we're gonna have a sister from another mister joining us because she is a dear friend to this show. But Emily, <clears> um you you were right there at the end, you said you're tired. And I know Sharon has said that in different spaces as well. Tell me a little bit more about how you feel because as a white woman, the, you're not completely absolved from this. I mean, this, this really impacts you on a personal level as well, right?
3: Well, yeah, I feel like as, the, as an ally in my community, I feel like it's I have a responsibility to advocate Right? And you know, I'm not as tired as my black friends and family members are, you know, because they're living this every day. And, and you know, I can take a break from it. I am white if I want to, mm. um, but that doesn't mean I don't feel it or I don't see it. Or, you know, and it's, and it's exhausting to feel mm. like you have to constantly be teaching people mm. something that they are fighting to not learn. Absolutely. And so, you know, I can only have empathy. You know, I, I don't know what it feels like cause I haven't had to live that in my own skin all day every day since birth like some Mm. people that I know but I do know that what I feel is exhausting so I can only imagine how that must multiply for somebody um, who's a person of color
0: absolutely well um, Sharon, I'm coming to you I mean and then Hannibal I'm gonna bring you in on this one too because you're both parents and both of Mm -hmm. you have children and you know Sharon, your 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 kids are a little bit more independent than Hannibal's I believe but can you talk to us a little bit about the the how exhausted are you? How tired are you? And what in in what ways is this disruptive to your very frame as a just a human being, a black woman and a black man, respectively, uh, trying to deal with all this right now? Sharon, and then uh, over to Hannibal Tabu.
4: Well, for me, I find that I am constantly having the conversations with not my, just my sons but with my daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a mom of 10. I don't know if you know that, Rome
0: No, I didn't. I knew you um, had a few because I was like, We had
4: we had about her biological son, and yeah. we adopted six. My best friend and her husband died um some 15 ah. years ago. Oh, and right. they had six kids.
0: Oh okay. and
4: we adopted them.
0: Okay, okay, God bless.
4: So you. for me, this is a much bigger issue. Absolutely because I can tell you that. As a financial advisor who traded on Wall Street, et cetera, Mm -hmm. this is a pervasive problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I cannot tell you how many times the fragile white woman in my office felt like I was being aggressive because I made a statement that happened to be true, but they didn't like the way I said Mm -hmm. it. Come on now. Um, I cannot tell you how many times One of my sons has been charged with, in school, being more aggressive than the kid who is actually doing the bullying out here Mm -hmm. in Colorado. Wow. Um, It it has gotten to a point where, you know, as a mother, I am constantly having to advocate. I am constantly having to um, talk to my sons about how to communicate in this world Hmm. so that they are heard without being feared.
0: Being heard. You know, I am
4: constantly having to have the conversation with my girls about how to be seen um, and respected at the same time.
0: Hmm. Wow.
4: It is an unending conversation and for for me you know i came out here like i said in 2000 and i can tell you i worked in a wall street firm of over 200 people and i was not only the only black woman in there i was the only minority in that office Mm. and there were so many times where i had to um think about what was mm-hmm. coming out of my mouth before it came out, right? Because of the way things are presented
2: mm-hmm. to
4: you, you know. Um, it, it's a different world out there, and I don't think that our white brothers and sisters truly understand what they say and do. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. um, the, the privilege is such that. It's just free flowing. I can't tell you how many times where, you know, at a Christmas party, there was an offensive joke. And because, you know, I'm a big producer, they think I'm supposed to go along with it, Mm. you know, or, you know, a client, I'll give you the perfect example. I had a client years and years ago. Um, His name was Mr. Zimmerman. Never met me personally, but I managed a few million for him over the years. Okay. Always had wonderful, pleasant conversations on the phone. Mm. Um, he happened to surprise me one day and come to the office to take me to lunch. Uh, when he found out and looked in my face and saw that I was a black woman, mm. he was livid. Really? Didn't matter that I had earned him 15% over the past four years on his portfolio. mm didn't matter that we talked practically every other day for an hour a day just just chit-chatting about family etc
2: mm-hmm. the
4: fact that he felt like i was dishonest because i did not specifically tell him i was an african american woman mm-hmm. and he did not want his money managed by an african american woman he walked directly into that branch manager's office and asked for his account to be moved
0: good lord Good Lord. How long ago was that?
4: This was back in uh, about 2008. Mm-hmm. And, and to my, my ranch manager's credit, he fired the client. Okay. You know, but these are things that continue to go on in institutions around Wall Street where there's still that good old boy network, mm-hmm. you know, and, and banking and, and, and the like. You know, and so I've had to train my children that, you know, you have to be ready.
0: That's right. You
4: cannot depend on anyone
0: mm-hmm. to save you. Mm. Wow. Um, Emily, I'm going to come back to you in a second because I know you've done some stuff in uh, D.C. during your time. But this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. We're joined by the, uh, the amazing Sharon Moses Coleman out of Colorado. We have mental health therapist Emily Wessel and our good brother, comic producer, Mr. Hannibal Taboo. So Hannibal, um, as a parent, you know, just, you know, tailwinding after uh, Sharon, you have little girls, man. And uh, images of Brianna Taylor and Sandra Bland. I mean, um, all of that comes to my mind. And, you know, I married into two daughters. So th- this this hits home for all of us. In many different ways, um, your thoughts as a parent, as a father that wants to protect his daughters, uh, based on what Emily and Sharon have just been talking about, what are your thoughts, brother?
1: Well, I have uh, my challenges is uh, modified uh, by the fact that my eldest is actually trans now. It's going by the pronouns he/him and uh, is okay. uh, f- finding his identity in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Knowing the safety challenges for trans males in this country, uh, the uh, uh, discrediting of their experiences and whatnot, is, is at the forefront of my mind. Security is uh, mm-hmm. at the forefront of my mind when I think about my children. So wow. um, that's always a concern. But again, I'm from Memphis. So right. uh-huh. <laughs> the uh-huh. idea that I've been training them their entire lives that three times as good is only gonna get you half as much as the credit, maybe. Maybe The idea that um, uh, yes, you're, you're, you have these little friends, we take you to Shakespeare, we take you to these other things. And you have these little friends that are wonderful friends until the day that they're not until like the day, until the day that like James Byrd's two friends that he grew up with James Byrd Jr. in Texas, they Mm -hmm. tied him a chain behind him and dragged him behind a truck. Mm. Those are people he grew up with. (laughs) Those are people that he had known his whole life. Mm. So with these things in mind, um, I'm reminded by uh, of, of two things at first. I'm gonna break out. Uh, I'm gonna go way back pull a deep cut uh, From a letter from Birmingham jail from dr. King who said yeah. I must confess that over the last few years I've been gravely disappointed with the white moderate I've almost reached a regrettable conclusion mm-hmm. that the Negro's great stumbling block in stride towards freedom is not the white citizens counselor or the Klux mm-hmm. planner, but the white moderate who is more mm-hmm. devoted than order to order than justice, who prefers mm-hmm. a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. On. Who mm-hmm. constantly says, I agree with you and the goal you seek, and I, but I just can't agree with your methods of direct action, who paternal, mm-hmm. paternalistically feels he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, lives in the myth of time, who constantly advises the Negro to wait until a more convenient season. Mm. Then I'm also reminded yesterday uh, there was tweets by, uh, I'm sorry, on the 25th, there was tweets by Franklin Leonard who said, how many times has Amy Cooper said behind closed doors that a black coworker wasn't a team player, isn't one of Uh, us, made her uncomfortable? How many times has she just not been able to put her finger on it, but just doesn't think they're the right candidate for the job?
2: Hmm. absolutely
1: on that phone she essentially said as jay smooth tweeted right after that i know this racist system gives me power over you and i'm going to lie right now and use that power against you no way is this the first second or third time that she has done so Hmm. and i do that i i say these things knowing that when i look my white friends in the face i've said these exact same things to them i say i i love having you around i enjoy our time together until Hmm. the day that i don't Right. until the day that you turn. And right. they're like, oh no, I won't. I'm like, that's what Jane Bird's friends probably said too. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you to think I'm mad at you. I don't think it's going I don't want you to think I'm, it's gonna change my behavior towards you. But it, I don't want you to think I'm ever gonna be caught slipping. Ooh. And I try to put the same lesson in the mind of my kids. Yeah, And I try to put that in the same mind of my nieces and nephews and every black kid that I come across that their safety ultimately has to be their responsibility because there's no one else looking out for it you <laughs>
0: Okay, we are back, KCWG, thetruth.com. This program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And every once in a while, ladies and gentlemen, we we feature all types of people from various different uh, uh, artistic communities and the literary community is no different. I tell you, I really enjoy authors because they bring a particular type of creative flair to the table because you have to use so much imagination to envision words coming to life as you're reading them. So this next guest is no different. Uh, She's a native of California, the middle of three daughters, and literature and literary uh, stuff and required reading was just a necessity in her household. Uh, She was inspired by authors, iconic figures such as Alex Haley, Gloria Naylor, Langston Hughes, Alice Walker, Toni Morrison, of course, Dr. Maya Angelou and she herself has won an award, and uh, she has a culinary degree too, so I wanna to talk to her about that. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School author, Suzette Harrison. Ms. Harrison, are you there?
5: Good morning, and I am. Thank you, Mr. Room. Thank you so much for sharing your podium and platform with me and your time with me today.
0: Oh, it's quite a joy. So uh, you, you got a little something going on here. And uh, I, if I learned correctly as I was looking you up, uh, your latest project is called Basketball and Ballet. And it's part of a series of books that you've written uh, in this genre. And uh, before I leap out there too quickly, um, how appropriate is it to call this and refer to this a romance novel and particularly a black romance novel? Uh, what can you tell us about how this book came together, Ms. Suzette Harrison?
5: Um, it is, um, I would say that, yes, you could classify basketball and ballet as a romance. I, it's really odd because I don't consider myself a romance author. I do celebrate Black love, however. So if that were a genre that we ever created, then by all means, I'd 100% say that's who I am. As a writer, I write, um, as you know, historical, I write children's literature, I write women's literature, but I also write books that, as we say, can be classified or categorized in romance. But I, uh, I like to dive a little deeper in my book, so it's not all about just boy meets girl and let's connect and let's do this. I try to dive into the characters, you know, as most authors do, th- their backstory, what drives them. It's not simply a quest for just love alone but there are other factors and i like my character to be three-dimensional so it's Mm -hmm. not just about that quest of boy meets girl
0: absolutely well i want to talk about that as we get into the characters a little bit but one of your main inspirations was uh, dr maya angelou as i uh just alluded to lightly in your bio what was it about her particular writing that really drew out the best of what you came to put into your own writing as a creative artist in your own right
5: Oh, that is such a long testimony, and I will be brief and keep it in a nutshell sure. for brevity's sake. But she literally, I read, um, I Know Why, the cage Bird thing as a teenager. I've always loved books. I've always read.
2: Mm-hmm. I
5: read it as a teenager, but then I came back again and read it again as an adult. And how I came back to it, Rome, was I was going through something in my personal life where I was just, I didn't know what to label it at the time, but in hindsight, now I know it was depression. And yeah. it was all I could feel was like this very dark. Um, presence in my life. It was just dark. It was miserable. I was gloomy. I'd come home from work, and all I could do, literally, was get in the bed, pull the covers up, and that went on for months. My husband couldn't help me. I'm a Christian. The Bible, prayer, didn't help me. Nothing was delivering me, you know, quote unquote, from this darkness. And I got so sick of my own self, of my own funk. I'm like, what can I do? Again, reading has always been a joy for me, so I said, I'm going to go get a book just to kind of get me through, pacify, mm-hmm. get me through, and anesthetize this pain that I'm going That's through. Right. So on. I chose, you know, you know, I mm-hmm. chose, "I know why the Cage Bird sings." And I want you to hear me when I say mm-hmm. that literally, when I finished reading that the second time and I closed that book, the darkness broke from over my life. Wow. Lit- literally.
0: Just and I like do that, not yeah.
5: mean figure just like that.
0: Basketball and Ballet. Uh can you tell us about the characters in this story a little bit and how you went about shaping their story and background and uh how did this story come to life in the pages of Basketball and Diaries? Can you talk to us about that a little bit more?
5: I absolutely can, but I want to backpedal just one tiny bit. When you said you recently or discovered and now now know that black women love romance, <laughs> and I love that you point that out.
2: Yes. Or,
5: you know, because as black women, we're taught and told to be strong. We mm-hmm. have to wear capes. And I decided a couple of years ago, I told my husband, my cape is off. I'm taking the cape off. I don't have to walk around like concrete and have this steel back. And I have to be the face of strong blackness and a strong black female. What if I want to be soft? What if I want to be tender? What if I want Mm. to be held? What if I want to be stroked? It's okay for me to be soft and tender and lovely and cuddly and all of those things. Things that's right. I don't have to always be the strong warrior queen. So mm. yes, we love Black love, and it's not to say that love is makes us soft, and that mm-hmm. there you know can't be a balance because it is. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm speaking against that mystique of uh, that we always have to be hard. That's right. Sometimes, you know, strong gets equated with hard, Um, and that's not the case. You can be the most tender, gentle Black woman and still be strong. So, yes, we do love love. We do love to be loved. And, yes, we love romance, and there's nothing wrong with that. We can balance that with our Black womanism at the same time. It doesn't make us weak. It doesn't make us unintelligent, and it Uh does not make us less than.
0: Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. Well, Stevie Wonder had a song called That Girl, and he said she doesn't use See? her love to make him weak, she uses love to make him strong. I mean, that is the essence of what mm-hmm. we keep missing out on, Black men. And um, yes, I-, I could listen to you talk about that all day because I truly believe, and maybe you can confirm this for me or not, is it that when women think about literature and romance, they're thinking about real men, like masculine guys, right? And I've told guys years ago that the best way for people to learn about manhood is to read a romance novel because most of the time the authors are writing the image of a guy that they wish that they could meet in real life. He's really masculine, he's protective, he's doing the right things, he has himself together, he has a life and an idea and mind of his own and he's going for it and he's a responsible guy and so, I think your character, Tavares, uh, speaks directly to that. So what further can you tell us about what's happening in this story, basketball and ballet, and how these two characters came into connection with each other?
5: Absolutely. First of all, Basketball and Ballet is book two of a series. The series is called California Love for obvious reasons, because I'm in California and I'm here and I have to show up some love, whether I love it or not, but <laughs> I'm right. teasing, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. but um, my joy is book one. And that's where we, the reader is introduced to Tavares and Yasmin, who are the protagonists of basketball and ballet. So you get just a glimpse of them. Yasmin is my joy, is, is uh, joy's best friend. So now it's their time. Basketball and ballet is their story. Yasmeen, in a nutshell, she's a divorcee. She's raising two little beautiful uh, boys by herself. She's a born-again Christian. She, by profession, is a, a former dancer, professional dancer, but life happened, and now here she is. She has to pay the bills, so she's working as a church administrative assistant. Is that her dream? By no means, no, but she has to do what she has to do, again, being that strong, responsible Black woman. Right. Tavares Alvarez, he's a single father of a five-year-old daughter. He's a former NBA player. He has left the game. He always knew that he was going to. He set himself up so that when it was time for him to do his walk away, he could walk away. No shame, no shade. He's successful. So here they are, and, and Tavares also is multicultural in that he's African-American, Filipino, and Puerto Rican. Okay. So you have cult- culture involved here as well. So you have this um, beautiful African-American former dancer, this handsome, good-looking, rich man. But what I try not to do, Rome, is mm-hmm. um, overdo his riches. As if I, if I may say, I don't want it so that we're so enamored of Tavares because he's a millionaire. We know that he is, and we know in the back of our minds, but that's not at the forefront. It's his humanity. It's his growth that's at the forefront of the story. So they're both Christians, they're both saved, and they're both celibate. Mm. But they have this amazing sexual attraction to each other. So Mm -hmm. part of their journey and their story is, how do we handle that? Mm-hmm. How do we love each other, fall in love, grow in love, and still honor our own moral code yeah. individually and collectively as a couple? Wow! Now,
0: how many... so it's, it's a
5: fun book. It's like right. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I was. It's a fun book, and I'm just wondering how many people are facing that struggle right now as we speak. <laughs>
5: Right. And it's a, you know, on Rome, I don't think we get enough airtime, or or I should say those kinds of conversations, abstinence, Mm
2: -hmm. celibacy,
5: virginity, it doesn't get enough airtime because partly um, our society, we're so inundated with sexual notions and with sexual imagery. And unfortunately, we as African Americans were also stigmatized or have been stigmatized historically with this over inundation of sexual imagery you know we've been sexualized you know the rape of the enslaved and i say enslaved because it wasn't just black women being raped that's a you know something that's hush hush black men were being raped too that's right it's black you know but we don't talk about that piece that's true but um so you know so we have this uh stigma that we've dealt with for years so it's refreshing that we can come to the table and let's talk a, let's have a book where on page 1 we're not in the bed already mm Come on. Let's find out how we get to the bed. <laughs> let's let's find right. out how we build a relationship that leads us there. But no, that's not what we are doing from
0: page one. Mm. We're not knocking boots and getting busy. We're going to build a relationship. Absolutely. This is KCWG The Truth.com's programs called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. We're listening to author and uh celebrated cook as well, culinary specialist, uh Suzette Harrison, who's has some amazing, amazing ingredients in this book she has out called Basketball and Ballet. And uh she's talking to us about the the very kernels of this uh project. So you're absolutely right. It doesn't get a lot of attention. Um the MBA, of course, harkens all types of images of stereotypes about guys being irresponsible, but not this character in your book. He's already lived that life and he's all about his children now. And so when you get through the arc of the book and they get through the introductory phase, um, in what ways, without giving it away, in what ways does the story pivot when they really start to get into the temptuous or temptation aspect of their relationship, which we find immediately that there's an instant attraction, like you said, um, without giving it away, what can you tell us about how they've been able to manage the struggles of their um, commitment towards <laughs> celibacy?
5: <laughs> I love that you use the word
0: manage because that's exactly what they have to do uh-huh. <laughs> is Absolutely.
5: manage it. Manage. And you know, I try to... Br- And manage. And I always uh, infuse humor. I consider myself this really dry wit person. I'm not the humorous one in my household. my husband is. But Mm -hmm. I love to give my characters, I always let them do them and be who they're going to be and they end up being humorous. So you're going to find, you know, Yasmin and Tavares having to negotiate and manage their physical attraction. They're very honest. That's Mm -hmm. one thing is mm-hmm. that they're very honest about it up front That's let's right. put it on the table let's talk about it let's deal with it doesn't mean that it makes it easier but at mm-hmm. least we both have this awareness that yeah this is what we would be doing if we could <laughs> <laughs> you know kind of thing
3: so right. they
5: try to approach their uh, an, as adults you know we're both adults we both have children so obviously we're both not virgins Um, And, you know, we we have this attraction, but what can we, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers. I'll just say Mm -hmm. that they do have to have grown folks' discussions. Mm -hmm. They have to learn not to put themselves, you know, the the Bible talks about not giving place to the devil. They can't put themselves in certain positions. They have to, you know, accountability. But it's a fun journey. It's a humorous journey, but it's also... Of uh, there are layers, I like to write, you know, like onions. As I say, there are layers to this. So it's not all humor. It's mm-hmm. all not all comedy. The book is going to deal with some very real issues as well. There's, you know, some substance abuse that we talk about. Yeah. There's yeah. child endangerment and things that we have to talk about. Right. There's even sexual identity things that we find out in basketball mm-hmm. and ballet. And Yasmin right. and Savars have to work through all of that
0: hmm well um again there's so many images that come to mind when i when i listen to that and are you making what if any moral statement are you making about those various issues in terms of we don't commonly have a common language to speak about these issues establishing boundaries establishing and agreeing upon the rules of engagement about how we're going to govern ourselves uh, with God only watching over us, you know what I mean? You know, we're, we've been given the, the blessing of free will, right? So uh, how far are we both willing to take that? Uh, what does basketball and ballet do to sort of educate the reader? You know, although this is a work of fiction, this is very real, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So is <laughs> as a platform for learning, um, can you speak to a little bit of the the, the words or the key, the, the, the key, um, what am I looking for? The, 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 the hashtags, if you will, that people can draw from this in which they can probably take from it that they can incorporate to their own relationships in real time, real life.
5: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. i um, kind of what I've already stated, you know, hashtag truth, let's be truthful. Let's be honest. Sometimes we think as you know, you know, Christians, Oh, i got this, you know, I'm not going to give into my flesh. I'm stronger than that. All I have to do is rebuke it in the name of Jesus. No, you need to be honest. There's nothing wrong with sens- sensuality and mm-hmm. sexuality. God made us with those beautiful gifts and, you know, erogenous zones. He made our bodies. He made us to enjoy. But I think we need to be careful as Christians that we don't, (coughs) excuse me,
2: um,
5: we have to go into it that I am responsible. I am going to be honest. I am going to be truthful.
2: It's not about,
5: oh, it just happened. No, honey, it takes a whole lot for it to just happen. That's so right. I need to be honest with myself as to can you can he touch me there? Can she touch me there? Well, I re- you know, what kind of response does that generate? Can I be alone with her? Can I be alone with him? Can I can we have a prayer night at her house overnight? Be honest. Mm. Don't set yourself up for failure.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Hashtag have accountability. Have accountability part- partner partner so when you feel safe. With discussing your struggle, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. There are others out there who are fighting the same good fight of faith that you are fighting. You're not an anomaly. You're not a freak. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with you if you've chosen celibacy, if you've Mm -hmm. chosen abstinence, if you've chosen virginity. I celebrate you. That's right. You're 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 going against the norm, and that means it's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. But there are, there are, um, I'm sure, people that are in your corner to help you, to uh, uplift you, to encourage you. And then you have to know who you can talk to and who you can't. That's right. Because everyone that, has, that you have their ear does not mean that they're in your best interest. That's right. And then you're human. Sometimes we mess up, we slip up. But do we make that a pattern? How do we correct our steps? Absolutely. How do we get back on track?
0: And and without judgment, right? I mean, what I love about what you're doing is that it's providing some safe space in the form of literature. Because we're in such perilous times right now, Suzette, that we have to be able to talk to one another. And we have to be able to share our struggles internally with people that are possibly going through the same thing. And they commonly find that they are. And there's nothing more reassuring than to find a kindred spirit who's experiencing the same struggles you are, right? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, absolutely, I agree. You
5: know, and we do need that support. And you're right, these are perilous times. These are chaotic times. Chaotic. And, you know, sometimes chaotic, and there's a place in the book where Tavares and Yasmin, they have a little, they have a, a little fallout. And he immediately was to go back to his old ways. He wants to go to get his bottle, he wants to go drink, he wants to pull up his phone and see what side chick is in there that he can call so that he can go get his relief through sex. So it's like, I mean, he has to come to his senses. So we all have a, we all struggle, we all will be tempted. These times that we're living in right now, they are perilous, they are chaotic, they are traumatic. They are painful, but we still have to keep guard of our heart to the best of our ability to take care of those things that are precious to us. And if I have said that abstinence is precious to me, celibacy is who I am and what I'm doing right now, then I can't necessarily go find a quick sex fix just because Mm -hmm. my world is going crazy right now.
0: That's right. That's right. I'm wondering, is there any coincidence at all uh, for the decision to make him be the parent of a, a little girl versus she being the parent of boys? Uh, because when a mm-hmm. when a man, I, we've had a lot of guys on the show and they talked about fatherhood and how some, one in particular from another show I was on, he was saying every time he thought about being a parent, he never wanted a son initially. Because he figured he would be too hard on them, he said he always wanted daughters because he knew how guys are, he knew the ways of the world in which the the young woman was going to eventually grow into and evolve into, and he felt like it was better suited for him to prepare her for that world, whereas opposed to if he had a son in his younger years, he would have been too hard on him and not have the patience, so I'm just wondering uh, what went into the choice if was with how much forethought I guess went into. The the children in the story being girls versus boys. Uh, what can you say to that?
5: Well, as I said, uh, this is a part two, or excuse me, a book two in the series. So we saw Yasmin in book one; she already had sons. You know, already knew in book one that Yasmin had twin boys. Okay. So when writing basketball and ballet, and then here comes Tavares; he's also a parent. I did think, no, I don't want everybody to have a, a male child you know, mm-hmm. um, that was part of my thought. I didn't overthink it. Right. But it for me, it felt like a natural, um, kind of like what you were just saying. For me, it felt natural to allow Tavares to have a daughter. And when you read the story, when readers read the story, they're going to be amazed at um, how this daughter is his daughter. That's all I'm going to say on that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, you're right. It softens. It allows us yes. to see a soft side yes. of Tavares. You know, we talk about that strong Black man, strong Black mm-hmm. woman mystique. It mm-hmm. allows the reader it's, to see him in his humanity, I think, even in a better way. That's and nice. his frailty, because there's even a funny scene where he cannot comb his daughter's hair. He doesn't oh. know how to comb hair. Mm-hmm. And the, the baby's walking around with these dry, crooked Afro puffs. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we get, to, we get to see even his humanity, his vulnerability, that he doesn't have it all together. He can't even comb his own daughter's hair and he has to go get help to get her air braided. That's but we true. get to see the, the gentleness of mm-hmm. a man through him loving his daughter.
0: Absolutely. Well, I love that. I uh, can't wait for uh, the full uh, project to be released upon the world on uh, June 2nd as we're listening to this. And uh, it's called Basketball and Ballet, ladies and gentlemen. The author is Suzette Harrison. And uh, wow, congratulations. I think this is a very, very timely project. And I think people will be uh, well enthralled and uh, really applying their time really well to give this a good look. Uh, California Love Book 2, Basketball and Ballet by Suzette Harrison. What's the best way for people to find this book and to keep in touch with you?
5: My website is s d h books.com s s and suzette d as in delta h as in happy books b o o k s.com i'm also on facebook as suzette d harrison books i am on twitter as uh, suzette harrison pinterest suzette harrison so i'm out i also have a private reader room on facebook that is called Salon Suzette and you can keep in touch with me through my newsletter if you go to my website more than welcome to set up uh, excuse me to sign up for my newsletter I'm also on Instagram as Suzette Harrison and to get the book it is available on my website as well as on Amazon
0: oh and Ladies and gentlemen, check it out. I mean, I have to say, Suzette, the rollout of this project is very impressive. I love your trailers. I love the energy. I love the words uh, that you use, the word play, because I, I'm into writing and I love how you seamlessly uh, put images together through, through your sentences and being, I mean, I write a lot of psychological reports, so writing is very important to me. So I, I just love how you conjure up the, the imagination and you have a very, very loaded talent there. And I'm very excited for you. And ladies and gentlemen, check it out. Basketball and Ballet by Suzette Harrison. Suzette, will you come back and join us when you got a uh, California Love Book 3 coming out? <laughs>
5: <laughs> I would love to. I'd be honored to. And thank you so very much, kind sir, again, for sharing your time and your platform with me. It's been wonderful sharing with you. And I thank you and I appreciate you.
0: We appreciate you too. Keep doing what you're doing. Your work is needed now more than ever before. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was Suzette Harrison, y'all. Check her out, y'all. All right, stay tuned for more. We'll be right back after this.
2: What's up, everybody? This is Cy Smith.
0: And Sean Carter-Peterson.
2: And you're listening to Psychotic Bump School.
0: With your host, DJ Rome, on KCWG, thetruth.com. The,
2: the best internet radio station on
0: the planet. On the planet. Woo! So
2: much of my mind, traveling at the speed of light. Every time I turn the television on, another stolen light. down in the middle of the street. Showtime Hashtag for the missing faces While mothers searching for their children Is her life as important as yours As the girl next door Or oh, does she need to serve the private entrance To make her more relevant Sometimes I will lay myself by the riverside
0: Yes, we are back. KCWGtheTruth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bum School. My name is DJ Rome, and I am very excited to have this artist back. She was here almost two years ago. It's hard to believe when I look back at the previous archive. It's been almost two years. amazing how fast time can go by, especially during these times. Uh, she's all the way on the East Coast in New York City. Uh, she was. She's from here though. She's from the West Coast, California. She's made her way over to Atlanta, and as uh, uh, been working with people such as Jazzy Faye, Chris Henderson. Uh, she's been down with the Wonderland Art Society. Uh, she's had a very, very enormously successful run merging the worlds of uh, deep house music and soul music. Uh, she's got a beautiful project out on the way, in fact. And uh, I want to talk to her all about what she's been up to lately, especially in the midst of all this stuff. So ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, the good sister Miranda Nicole. Miss Nicole, are you
6: there? Peace. Peace, I'm here. How you doing? How's everybody doing?
0: Oh, we just trying to get through it. I know you've been yes. seeing this 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 craziness. because uh, Yes, how can we by, miss it? Yeah, by by way of Inglewood. They say always up mm-hmm. to no good, but you know, <laughs> uh, you out there. On the we up coast. to doing better. Oh, we got to be doing better. Yes. So, what's it been like out there for you in the midst of a pandemic one and then all this craziness with uh the George Floyd, the the Amy Cooper's and the bird watching and the uh walking and watching birds while black. I mean. <laughs> right,
2: <laughs>
6: what's right. What's it been
0: like for you to experience all this out in New York?
6: Um, it's it's, it's been quite emotional um to say the least. I have the last couple of days I've been finding myself just going to sleep earlier. And just like wanting to just stay in the bed, you know, and just honor my emotions and honor my feelings, Um, you know, as, as, you know, we weren't as if we weren't going through enough, you know, Mm -hmm. just in general, as humankind wanted together um, with a pandemic um, and all of the layers of that, right. That are emotional and psychological and physical and just all of those things. But then now, you know, another direct attack on our community um, when it was already feeling like, you know, the pandemic was attacking, you know, attacking people, um, of color as well, you know. Um, so it's just, it's been, it's been a lot. It's been a um, roller coaster and, you know, I'm staying prayerful. I'm trying to find solutions. I'm working on, you know, better ways to handle my daily life uh, because I
0: think sometimes we just feel
6: powerless, you know.
0: Absolutely. So Well, you're trying to get my power in. back. I heard that. And speaking of power, uh, it's funny you should say that. Uh, the The most recent New Yorker we've had on the show is the actress Joyce Suddeth, who was actually on the TV show Power on Stars. Nice. And uh, that was a few weeks ago now. And so at that time, even at that time, we were well into the pandemic. Sheltering in was a lot more intensely uh, re- reinforced at that time. So from your vantage mm-hmm. point right now, being in New York, uh, that's long been considered, <clears throat> excuse me, the epicenter. Uh, In this country, anyway, have you have how have you seen that play out as far as the coronavirus and what it's done to the artist community, the the community of singers and songwriters like yourself? Uh, How would you describe how coronavirus has impacted the music community out there in New York?
6: Uh, Well, it's definitely shut everything down. Um you know I had I myself had plans to you know do a video premiere for uh, my video that was recently released um you know we were going on like a mini tour around different parties um in New York City that had already been established um and all of those things were shut down you know people aren't re- recording you know studios are are closed um you know everything is is just is shut down But I think what it has done um, positively is, you know, allow artists to reflect and, you know, dig a little deeper and just go ahead and dig in and have the time um, to create, especially those who are, you know, living a double life, as I like to say, Um, being artists and going to work, you know, every day. And especially in in a grind like New York City, where, you know, almost endless. Um, you know, now to have that time to, to get, you know, some new music out, some new projects, you know, visuals, whatever art people are working on. Um, but, but the city as a whole, I mean, it's, it's been shut down. I I live in Brooklyn. I haven't, you know, gotten on the train in months now. Um, I have a two year old daughter, so, you know, I have to be extra careful about where I go, what I'm doing um and so and i think that even that you know every artist yes is an artist but you know we're not islands we have families we have because some of us have children some of us you know have elders you know who we see often and so we've had to um edit and change our lifestyle so that we can also keep our loved ones safe
2: um
6: so so you know it's just it's so layered it's not just like oh i can't go to the studio it's like well even if you could you probably wouldn't want to go. Right. If you are still, you know, in in close contact with your grandmother or, you know, a young child or something like that. Um, so, um, you know, life is changing and becoming new, um, like every, like everywhere else, really. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a little, it's a little haunting just the quietness of the city with all the buildings and, you Mm -hmm. know, the echo, it feels, it feels, you know, strange, but, you know, it's warming up here, so we're going to see how long people are staying in because
0: as long as it warm up, two degrees. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we were in digits just last weekend, and we got rain today. It's been crazy, but it is overall warming up. Now, I look mm-hmm. back at the last time you were here was July 2018. It's crazy. So you had just had mm-hmm. your baby about that time. Yes.
6: It? Yep. I had just had my baby, um, and I was visiting L.A. for the first time after uh, after having her uh, yeah, time goes
1: by so quickly. Oh, real
0: quick. So motherhood (laughs) during this time in particular, and being a creative artist, like you said, and you are leading that double life, but you know, just in terms of being a mom, uh, during this time, um, is there any way you can capture what it's like to be a a, a new mom, you know, two years in, of course, but has that Mm -hmm. in any way impacted the way you create now? I mean, in terms of writing songs, approaching music, has that changed at all?
6: Um, it's definitely changed, um, but I'm I'm working on like even changing it again, um, because it's something that I want my daughter to to share in, and it's not always going to be like like as a as a, a art mom, it's like I can't really schedule a time to create, right? And say, oh well, I'm going to do it when she goes to sleep, or because then it's like, oh well, she's sleeping, and I don't want to be too loud. and It's like, but I need to jam mm-hmm. out so I can create, you know, mm-hmm. um with intention, you know? And so, um, I am still learning, you know, and I'm learning from other, uh, art moms out there um, who are older than me that I've worked with like Teacher Moses, um, oh, yes. and just other, other moms, you know, uh, just taking, you know, taking, uh, Uh, their example using their example and finding um finding my own footing but she's she's very creative herself she loves to dance she loves to hear the music so um you know it's it's a lot of fun and so just seeing that she's so engaged um Mm. you know encourages me to just like let it loose and create you know as i'm as i'm going through the day
0: absolutely but you did say you you do miss performing, though, right? I mean, it's nice to see her dancing and doing her thing, but
6: oh yeah, stage, um,
0: what, what what has that done to you in terms of uh, have you um, for the good old days?
6: I really have uh, yearned to get back on stage. Um, you know, I have been enjoying the time because I feel like this is a time for me to be able to, you know. Just practice more and, you know, get better and all those things. Um, but part of it is just being on stage. Like, you know, for me, I practice and I get better from being on stage and then feeling it out and seeing what, you know, what I did good, what I enjoyed, what could be better, you know, what mm-hmm. I want to add to my show, those kinds of things, how people responded. Um, so, so those things are all, you know, really important to me. Um, I was actually booked for a cruise for the Tribe Tambor, uh, 2020 cruise, um, which would have been it back in April. Mm-hmm. And that was canceled, the seven day cruise, um, that I was performing on. And so, you know, I was really disappointed about that. I was looking forward to that and, you know, traveling to St. Martin and Virgin islands and Haiti, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was ready to get my complete life. Right. So, um, that definitely, mm-hmm. you know, did something, you know, to me. Um, But, you know, you just have to know, like, you know, doors close, other doors will be open, things are going to change. And, um, you know, we just have to focus on changing um, with everything that's going on, like, you know, the approach and uh, mastering it as, you know, as well as possible and just keeping, you know, keeping it pushing.
0: Absolutely. Well, you actually stem, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Miranda Nicole, singer-songwriter. She's uh, stationed in Brooklyn, New York right now. But uh, we're just chopping it up because you actually stem from a long line of um, artists who have had to lead that double life, at least for a little while. And some did it throughout their career. Like, there's this group from back in the day, Miranda, called the Brothers Johnson, who I'm sure mm, your family. I've heard you know, of them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the bass player, Lewis Johnson, is a, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, he's passed on. May he rest in peace. But he the whole time, I mean, he was the bassist for Quincy Jones, Michael Jackson. He's the bass player on Billie Jean. But he throughout his career, even when his his career was really popping, he never stopped working. He never stopped mm. working a job, but he played his bass at night and got gigs, you know, when he could. But he he had that. Wow. That steady income no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And For a long time, the late great Bill Withers did, too. You know, we lost him earlier this year yes yes When yes. he broke through famously with that picture with his lunch pail in front of that brick wall that was actually taken down in southern california i came to find out um mm. some artists have to do both so i'm just wondering uh if anybody if any artist if any singer was prepared for this i mean it's 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 kind of strange to say this but you were kind of made for these times and that you kind of expected that a hybrid model of a career and a mom and a music life um mm-hmm. you would need to be set up in such a way to handle something like this and it sounds like you are uh does that make any sense at all
6: <laughs> yeah for sure absolutely i mean i've always felt like you know even in the beginning of my career i would go to work you know for 8 hours and then i would go straight to the studio until the next morning go to sleep wake up go to work go back to the studio and just repeat, you know, for months and months and months like that. And Mm -hmm. for me, you know, it helps my creativity to not worry about what I'm going to eat today come on, or what I'm going to eat tomorrow, like just my basic human Mm -hmm. needs. And if you're, if you're lucky enough to, you know, maybe have someone who, you know, is a benefactor who's, you know, supporting Mm -hmm. your career or Mm -hmm. taking care of your basic needs so that you can focus on creating, like that's Mm -hmm. great, you know, Um, And that's wonderful. um, But everybody just doesn't have that, you know, have that luxury. Um, And so for me, I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. And even now um, I enrolled in school. I've been in school since January to finish my undergraduate degree, which I'm very close to doing it. But I left undergraduate to pursue my career, you know, and then now it's like, okay, well, you know, I feel like I'm doing well. And I know that the music that I make is great music. It's timeless music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe I'll have a career like Bill Withers. Maybe it won't pop off until I'm 40. You know what I mean? But I can't afford, I just don't feel like people can afford to wait because even with music like it's still such a broken system you know and we have a lot of new technology to help us with new opportunities but um it's very time consuming you know and you're not getting paid for that time so you have to like you have to figure it out you know and um you know god bless the artist who who just stuck it out and was like fuck it I'm just gonna be hungry or I'm just gonna you know I think it, it definitely takes you know I think that that's an important you know um like like artists like that are important to have you know what I mean right.
2: um
6: but 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 they're they're not the rule
2: that's you know right. what I'm saying and, it's not and
6: the play. they're right they're the exception they're not a rule mm-hmm. and I feel like sometimes Social media makes it seems like they're the rule when really they're the exception. That's right. You know, um, Erica and, taught us that you
0: know. Erica Badu was showing us that, in fact, that, you know, we look like we're rich, but we're not. And so when mm-hmm. she was doing those quarantine concert series, she's like, yeah, I could have just sat in front of a piano or just sat in front of a microphone and sang, but in that scenario only I would eat, but I got a whole band to feed, I got a whole crew to feed and we only mm-hmm. make so much off these royalties. You know, we got these hit songs, but Spotify and all these platforms, they don't pay us like they should.
5: Right, She was right. talking
0: about that. And so right. the struggle is very, very real. And you, you I mean, you've mm-hmm. had some success. You know, you've, you've blown up to uh, the, the Kissing You did really well for you. In terms yeah, of, I you mean, know. Kissing
6: You did really well. Um, yeah. You know, I've had, I've had a lot of my records, you know, do well and do, do well in different areas and pockets Mm -hmm. like all around the world but Mm -hmm. you know i still haven't like i've traveled internationally but i haven't Mm -hmm. really been booked internationally you know um to sing and to perform and um for the amount of people that you would think have heard my songs or what have you you would think that i would be a little bit well, more well off in, in the way of music, I should say, mm-hmm. or like at least seeing a consistent check, even if it's just $100 a month, $200 oh. a month, like right. from royalties, but I'm not even seeing that consistency with that. You know, I make my, my money off of performing That's and right. off of collaboration.
0: There you go. There you know, you
6: go. Um, so and I've had to like come up with my own business model so that I mm-hmm. get myself paid.
2: That's right.
6: Because I know Spotify ain't going to pay me. You know, I'll be doing a little jig when ASCAP send me a little $10 check. I'm, I'm like, on. okay. What y'all, y'all doing? some work over there at ASCAP? That's right. Sending people checks. Right. Check. Nice. You know.
0: Mailbox um, money.
6: <laughs> okay, exactly. So <laughs> This is
0: KCWG, the program Program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. Uh, we're talking to singer-songwriter Miranda Nicole. We're just breaking down the, the particulars of the, the real. I mean, what it's really like to to have that double life, singer, songwriter, mom, uh, employee, and student. Uh, before we talk about your uh, latest project, uh, real quick, what are you studying right now? You said you're finishing up your uh, degree.
6: Yeah, so um, I initially started school at Savannah State. Uh, shout out HBCU. Shout out uh-huh. HBCU. That's um, what's I, was, I was studying English there. Okay. Um and then but I decided to change my major uh to communication and media studies. Ooh. Um, because I felt, you know, I was just just praying and asking God, okay, I need to find another door, mm-hmm. right? To to use my experience
2: mm-hmm. in music
6: and um and and everything in entertainment and couple that
2: yes. with
6: a check.
2: That's but, right. but
6: with but with a profession where I'm still in control of my life, there you, you go. You know, and I'm in control of my time. Like I'm not, I'm not just trying to work
4: for somebody.
6: Like yeah, okay. I might work for you, but I need to be. It needs to be a certain kind of, you know, partnership. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, so that's what I came up with. That's what, that's what, that's, that's what on my heart. Um. You know, and I figured, you know, it's a good, good start.
0: Absolutely. You have this project called Black. Uh, you you were co-featured on that with a gentleman, I hope I say his name right, Willie Hinn. Uh, yes,
4: Willie Hinn.
0: Yeah, he's, uh, tell us a little bit about him and this project and this beautiful black and white video called Black. Can you talk to us about uh, the formation of that and how that came together? Yes, for
6: sure. Uh, so Black is a one I've been working on um, for a while. Um, it's on the project, Ginger. The EP forthcoming, um, produced by DJ Tabone, which was one of my favorite um, DJs in Atlanta. Okay, um, no, stand,
0: stand by. let me go. Okay, you on. stand
6: by. Yeah, so the Project Black um, came about with Willie Hen. Um, it was produced by DJ Tabone. This is actually his first production. Um, mm-hmm. He's a, one of my favorite favorite DJs in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And Henn uh, and I uh, both started performing at the same event years ago called Keep It Classic. And that's how we met, like, over over 10 years ago. Like, or, yeah, at least 10 years ago. Um, and so he has gone on. He's just so amazing. He's, like, a comedian. He's an a artist. Um, he's worked with Music Soul Child. He actually just recently released an EP um, called I'm Really an Arby, nigga. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. he, he, he raps. But he's like he on some he's like on some Prince Andre three thousand of you know rap you know he's just mm-hmm. real far with it. Um, but a good friend of mine, I had this record, I started writing it, and it was going to be just an intro. And I said, you know, I could really hear, uh, you know, uh, a flow on this. So I sent it to him. He sent that back. It was amazing. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. And um I actually. Uh, filmed this video with another mom who I randomly met at a Brooklyn library with her baby and I had my baby and we just got to talking and um, it was just so natural. Um, we have so much in common. Her name is Ashley Alexandria and she and her partner um, put the, put together the video, shot the video um, and they, you know, we, we did it in less than like a month of knowing each other. Um, it all came together. And so it's so funny because, again, this is a record I've been working on for such a long time. And, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes artists were ready to put it out, we want to put it out. and But timing is everything. You know, I could have put this record out a while ago and then there wouldn't have been a need for a visual.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, but it just, it really all came together perfectly. Um, And Willie Hinn is actually still based in Atlanta. And so um, one of my homies, um, who's a huge creative in Atlanta and just around the world, Chili-O, um, shot his parts, his visuals in Atlanta. And then um, the team, Odega put it all together here uh, in Brooklyn. So um, it was cool. And and Ashley, she did the body paint um you know they were just a great great team so
0: yeah, um uh, collaboration yes thank you very, very much
6: i want to make sure everybody definitely checks it out it's available um, on youtube.com forward slash glam soul star
2: Son
1: dead to the world where you came many a night does it ring any bells like you rang but my soul got ghosts around the time where you start calling me boo thing i talk cash shit you ask for your receipt if you change yeah started wearing all black but i couldn't let go of those roses same time i'm trying to figure out what these folks think i'm the code that you came in and i lost focus it's true and i still don't see why you standing there maybe because we dressing all black for the life after yeah, maybe there you'll be my wife after That's Yeah, and maybe later we'll meet five after Maybe am on for Maybe I'm on for
0: and tell us where, again, we can find this video and latest project.
6: Yes, um, please, please stay in touch with me on Instagram at Glam Soul Star. Um, The video can also be found at youtube.com forward slash Glam Soul Star. Um, If you can't find me, just Google me, Miranda Nicole, put Glam Soul and I should pop right up. Um, The music is available to stream on Spotify available to stream and download on itunes um and yeah everything i try to just keep it all um on instagram for now you can find you know all the behind the scenes of the music video on my instagram um some different fun um photos from from the from the video shoot and um that's where i am
0: that's where it's at That's where you are, and that's where it's at. That's Miranda Nicole, Check out this latest project, Black, featuring she, as well as the good brother Willie Hinn. Thanks, Miranda. It's always good to hear your voice, and uh, your music is so soothing, so relaxing, so peaceful. Uh, It's needed now more than ever. Keep doing what you do. Do it at your pace, though. Do you, like you've been saying. Yes. But uh, definitely keep it coming. Uh, We'll be patient. Whenever you're ready to drop that on us, you just let us know, and we'll be ready, okay?
6: Yes. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of Funk and Soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. also want to thank our guests for the evening, Sharon Moses Coleman, Hannibal Taboo, Emily Wessel, Suzette Harrison, and, of course, Miranda Nicole. also want to send a shout-out to Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Y'all be safe. We'll see you next time.